2: Hello and welcome to the program, Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Keeper Blakesley, and today we're going to be talking about the films X-Men Apocalypse, Angry Birds, Dino Dan and the Dino Babies, Trek's Adventure, and also we're going to talk about Mac and Moxie. Right now I'm with two special guests. It is that we have the creator and executive producer of Mac and Moxie, Bram Wenger, is here, and also co-creator Alan Green here with us today. We're happy to have you two on the show. Thank you for
3: having us. Oh, it's almost in unison. Perfect. That's what good partnership is.
4: Yes, we've been partners a long time. We talk at the same time.
2: <laughs> well, since you two have created this wonderful show about teaching kids about humanitarian skills and giving, um, making them more aware of certain causes like autism, hunger, and um, hunger awareness, how did the show come to be, Bram?
3: Well, a little bit about the background of the show actually involves a little bit about background of myself. I'm, uh, by profession, I'm a film composer, and I've written about 45 scores for 45 Hollywood films, uh, including all the Air Bud movies, all the Air Buddy movies, the Santa Buddies, the Snow Buddies uh, for Walt Disney. I've done 23 films for Walt Disney, and if you're between the age of 5 and 25, you surely know my work, and after doing that for the last 17 years, Alan and I thought, gee, maybe we could do something that we do every day with all those Disney movies we can do for children on a television show and show the fun and joy from helping others. And that's what Mac and Moxie is all about.
2: Now, since we had a brief introduction about who you are, Alan, maybe you can introduce yourself.
4: Well, I'm Alan, and uh, I've been in production for a long time. Brahm and I met many years ago, and we had this idea that we wanted to try to to try to figure out how to talk to kids about these important subjects but do it in an entertaining way that would help them understand that uh, that that compassion and charity are things that they can learn at a young age and that there's 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 lots of opportunities to help so we we tackled this project and now we've been really excited to get a great response and and have an animated show with live puppets that's uh, being broadcast on PBS stations across the country and starting to have distribution.
2: Now, the show does teach some amazing skills and brings awareness to a lot of these subjects. Now, back then, not many shows really tackled these subjects, at least this young of an age. So why now, and what do you believe is the importance of teaching these kids to be more aware of these causes? Alan, we'll start with you.
4: Well, I think you can see kind of a a trend in humanitarian work these days. I think part of it is because we are also connected with the world now in a way that we weren't when Brahm and I were younger people. But everybody knows everything that's going on in the world because they have, the, they have, they have a phone in their pocket. And yes. so you see the problems in the world and you see that, that there's so many people that are, are having difficulty or dealing with, with challenges and all of a sudden so we're, kids are exposed to this and, and, and they, they may feel helpless and may feel like this isn't fair that this is going on in the world. What can we do? And so we just thought it was the perfect timing to, to show that there are things that they can do to teach kids that they can make a difference.
3: And, Bram, would you like to add on to that? Sure. Well, one of the things that we discovered is the joy that people get from helping other people. And we turn that joy into entertainment. So effectively, we made it even a more enjoyable experience by having it t- told in animated characters and singing and dancing and puppets. We have very, very unusual characters in the show. We have one character named Shellfish Sheldon. He's a shellfish. And yes. the idea is is that he's a little shellfish. He wants everything for himself. So he's a very fun, sort of like a cross between Oscar the Grouch and, uh, well, I don't know, what would you say, Anna, uh, Alan? What would you say is a cross between... Uh, Daffy Some Daffy kind of grouchy. Daffy, what? Daffy, Daffy, Daffy Duck. Daffy Duck or uh, something like that. And the yeah, he speaks with a little bit of a lisp. But he's played by Hank Azaria, famous for all the voices on The Simpsons. And the idea behind it is we try to uh, accelerate, uh, accentuate the fun and joy that people get from helping others.
2: No. I've got to listen to some of your songs that you're teaching kids, and it's it's absolutely amazing that this show is able to teach kids humanitarian skills, and especially in nowadays, as you mentioned, we are more connected, and we're able to, to give kids a voice and be able to tell them that they can help out. And it used to be that donate, um, buy our cereal, and then donate, and then put take the cereal, the envelope in the cereal, and donate money to this cause. But now. They can do more than that. They can be able to spread love and yeah. spread kindness, yeah. which is That's fantastic. Right. Now, uh, you mentioned that there's, there's different songs and different fun, upbeat ways that you you teach kids. But what are the ways that that makes this show particularly original that other shows don't particularly do to teach these kids these skills? Well,
3: yeah, well, firstly, uh, the causes themselves, in many cases, are very unique. In the first season, we have one about autism and we partner with Easter Seals to advise us and guide us on how to tell that story um we have one with the White House For their Let's Move initiative, we have one with the National Parks Association to introduce children to all the wonderful national parks. They're celebrating their 100th anniversary this year. We have one with Save the Children about early childhood education. Another one about hunger awareness with Feeding America. Another one with World Wildlife Fund with Save the Tigers. So this is the first show ever in history that partners with all these wonderful great humanitarian organizations to uh, share their joy in helping others, we simply take their story and translate into Kidspeak so that we make it fun and frolicking and with great animation and great uh, humor. We essentially tell their story to children The you know at the young age of three to seven. And so the idea there is uh, totally groundbreaking. Nobody's ever thought of having a show like that. The other thing that's really cool about the show is is that we're truly partners with these nonprofit organizations. We share the royalties on all of the DVDs and all of the uh, games and toys and videos. So it's a true partnership. So, two ways one uh, that makes us unique one is we're partners with them for the content, and we're partners with them on the commercial side of it as well. Unheard of in the children's business.
2: Until today, we've
3: made this wonderful show. so That's right.
2: That is fantastic. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Keeper Blakesley, and we're going to be talking about the films X-Men, Apocalypse, Angry Birds, Dino Dan, and talking about Mac and Moxie. We're going to continue our interview with Bram Wenger and Alan Green. Now, both of you have been in the, I would say, the film industry. Uh, You're very experienced in the film industry. So, what would you say... I'll go to both of you, I'll start with Alan. Is the future for particularly children's entertainment now?
4: Well, I think that's uh, one of the reasons that Brahm and I wanted to pursue this, because we 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 think that children are being underserved with the entertainment. We think mm-hmm. they, that they're much more intelligent, that they're much more able to grasp concepts like we're talking about. And I think that as we've tested this concept out over the last few years, we're amazed at the way that children react to this. I mean, we, we had an event about a month ago, up in the Bay Area, with with one of our uh, organizations, Feeding America, we showed an episode from Mac and Moxie that has to do with with food banks and getting food to people that are in need. And so the ki- and, and they invited a couple of hundred uh, elementary school kids in to watch the episode, and then they they saw on the episode what food banks are all about. And in the adventure, these the, the our characters uh, end up going to a food bank to to get food and get strong and get healthy. And then after they watched the episode, they went next door and, and Feeding America had a whole setup where these kids could actually participate in packing up boxes and bags to take to, to people in need so they could get the food. So it's, it's introducing the, the problem to them, introducing the solution, and then getting them involved in the solution right away.
2: Now, um, before I go to Brad and continue this question, I just want to add that what, I, what you guys are saying is absolutely correct. Because kids are able to handle more, and it's sad to see some entertainment shows talk down to them as if they don't understand, and that's not the case. If we talk down to them and say, like, you're young, don't worry, you'll learn when you're older, it's kind of like it's doing an injustice to them. They Kids are able to be handle a lot more, they're able to understand this, and they're able to contribute to our society and our culture in many different ways and make the world a better place. So, what you guys are doing is an absolutely amazing thing, and... Hopefully, other television programs can take notes. Um, Bram, you would like to continue on the future of
3: students' entertainment? Sure. I'll tell you something very interesting. Since we've actually uh, started this show and since it's become public, many, many other networks are now planning shows just like it. That's uh, quite, I think, a refreshing endorsement of our show. Because what we've shown in the show, and we invite all your listeners to Check out the show. You can go on to YouTube and watch eight of our uh, our first eight songs to get a sense of the quality and uh, cleverness of the show. What the networks have discovered is you can do it. We've kind hmm. of pioneered it. So now you're going to see a lot more shows. And actually, we welcome that. Because we think that we're on the cutting edge of a new category, basically social-emotional learning, where children are basically introduced and shown all these great, wonderful causes and all the wonderful people who work in those causes. But we do it in a way that is very empowering to children. They walk away. It's almost like we're we're essentially heralding these people as superheroes. Hmm. And they do superhero things, like they bring food to the hungry, or they help an autistic child. And so it's kind of think of X Men for children, but the uh, but the but the purpose is about these wonderful causes. So it's really actually quite simple, but for some reason nobody's ever thought of doing it before. So we're very happy to lead the way.
2: And did you, when you were in the process of making this, did you ever think that it was going to be that impactful? For
3: networks? You know, we didn't. Not not only for networks, but for awards. We've already won two national awards. We haven't even been on the air for more than two months. And we are apparently uh, soon going to be winning a third award. And so I think that the the, the surprise to us is how quickly people have embraced it. We didn't think that they would uh, have a hesitation when they saw the show. But even the concept seems to be very exciting and very enticing to young mothers and, and their children. So we're very, very excited about it. We're very when we see, like Alan was referring to, we saw it with one hundred and twenty kids on a big screen, and the kids were just absolutely into it. It was really amazing. And we have a lot more fun episodes coming. We have one about playing in the playground, about Thanks. dialing nine one one if you have a problem. We have another one with um, what to do with planting gardens. So I'll give you an example of the show. We, right, the garden it, show it, about, about eating fresh vegetables and fruits, we made the whole thing underwater, like Finding Nemo. Well, we did the whole thing with fishes and octopuses, and we have them all swimming around underwater. Okay. And that one we did in partnership with American Heart Association. So it gives you an idea of how wildly creative the show really is. Well it sounds like a wonderful show and it's
2: fantastic what you guys are doing. So thank you so much, Alan and Bram for talking about your show. Thank you for having us. Be sure to go check out the YouTube and check out the songs, and if you want to see the full episodes, go check it out on D V D, Mac and Moxie, the great helpy heroes. Please go check it out. I'm your host, Keeper Blakesley. Let's take a break.
1: Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. To become a kid's first film critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. Just visit KidsFirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. What do you want to do? Are you interested in the performing arts?
5: Looking for exciting video content, live and on demand? Visit www.voiceamerica.tv for exclusive content you just can't find anywhere else. That's voiceamerica.tv. Tune in now.
1: You are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Shh, turn off your phone. Another movie review is coming up.
6: Hey, welcome back. I'm Jerry Orris, and you're listening to Kids First Come Attractions. We were just talking to Bram Wenger and Alan Green about Macky Moxie, and right now we're going to talk to Morgan about the new film Angry Birds, and she is 11 and also lives in Los Angeles. So, Morgan, how are you doing?
7: I'm doing great. How are you?
6: So, Morgan, what did you think about this film?
7: I thought it was amazing. I am definitely a diehard fan of Angry Birds, and I was like, yes, like when I saw the first commercial, I was jumping up and down because... You know, the game never really explains the big, huge Angry Bird pig war. And I was like, yeah, finally we're going to know the backstory behind it. And that's exactly what this movie did. I
6: also played Angry Birds for quite a while, and I love the game. So it's amazing to see this film come out. However, video game movies are very infamous for being the worst films ever and also famous for being the best films ever. Where do you think this one ranks in that category?
7: Definitely one of the best films ever. I literally like this is my top five films and it's hard to get on my top five list
6: and what did you think of the animation because this is an
7: animated film i thought the animation was very crisp and clear as well as being pretty much detailed and it was just really cool how they did the island of the pigs and it was just amazing and no details left out and it looked like an incredible giant city to live in and i just like wanted to jump into the screen and be like Hi, I'm a pig, just like you.
6: So, do you think this really connects to the actual Angry Birds game, like the Angry Birds style, where you launch birds at buildings, try to destroy them? Or do you think that it's kind of more separate, and it kind of has its own story, just kind of borrows the characters from the game?
7: You know, it actually, I think it's kind of a mix, because, like, there's a little part of it that basically shows them slingshotting all the way to Piggy Island, as they called it. And then there was also the backstory. So I think it's, like, a mix, of, like, the slingshot and the game, as well as being its own different story. So I think it's a little bit of both.
6: And do you think if somebody never even heard of Angry Birds, the video game, never anywhere, any of the other shorts that they created based off it, do you think they would still enjoy this?
7: You know, I think they would, because I think this is definitely a huge variety of audiences. You don't have to just play the game in order to understand the story and have fun with this. So I think that it would be great for... All, everybody, even if you don't play the game. Because a lot of my friends actually don't know how to play it, and they're, like, still excited to, like, watch this, and they're like, yeah.
6: And how many stars do you give this film?
7: I would have to say I give this five out of five slingshot stars with exploding Angry Birds attached on them.
6: And why is that?
7: I would say that because I think this is definitely a great Family-friendly movie. I don't it was just fun to watch, and like I said, everybody had peculiarities that literally matched their characters and everything, and that I definitely did enjoy about them.
6: Now you mentioned family-friendly. What specific age range would you give this film?
7: Five to a hundred five thousand. Literally, it's for everybody.
6: And why not below five? Do you think it's uh, too mature for younger kids, or just not would not appeal to them?
7: You know, I think it would. It could go younger, but I don't think that five and like younger than that would be able to sit still and it's probably too long for them like that if they have the dvd and they could break it off into sections that would be better but they can't like sit still and watch the entire movie because it would be too long for them and then they'd lose a- their attention what do you think
6: of the voice acting we have people like jason Zulix who plays red and josh Gaddon, who plays chuck and a few other people what do you th- what did you think of the job
7: oh my gosh i think everybody did simply amazing Jason Sadikis, who plays Red, he's actually Lithuanian, I'm Lithuanian, and I think he did a great job, and you actually could tell in his voice of, like, how angry he usually is, and I thought that was really funny. And then Peter Dinkelberg, who plays the Mighty Eagle, like, now I finally understand why it costs so much in the game, and his voice acting was simply just stupendous, I really liked his voice. And then Sean Penny plays Terrence, even though he grumbled a lot. It was, like, really funny when he did. He was like, Arr. And it kind of reminded me of my dog. I was like, hey, Dusty could play that part, and I laughed through the entire thing. And then Maya Rudolph, who plays the adorable white bird who Terrence has a crush on. Uh, that's really funny. And then Danny McBride, who plays Baum I thought that was, he did a great job. And my favorite character, who's Josh Gad, who plays Chuck. Oh, my gosh. I wonder how long it took him to prepare to talk, like, really fast in order to fit the part of him because he is, like, a really fast-flying bird. And I definitely have a need for speed, and I think this is the bird to give it to me. It definitely
6: sounds like you really love this film. Thank you so much for talking to me. If you would like to check out this film, it is now in theaters near you. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids Network, and today we will talk about... Uh, Dino Dan, X-Men Apocalypse, and also Angry Birds. But right now, we're going to continue talking to Morgan. But this time, about Dino Dan, Dino Babies, Trucks Adventures. So, Morgan, what did you think of this show?
7: Well, there's a lot of TV shows and cartoons that show dinosaurs. But it's rare to see, like, real-life-like dinosaurs. And I found this collection to be entertaining and educational at the same time. Each episode features a different dinosaur. You get to see what a real one would look like and different traits about them. And they were just been fascinating. And, you know, adult dinosaurs would be very hard and expensive to keep and feed and everything. So they just roam around the neighborhood, but they are friendly. And I really did pre- appreciate that.
6: What is the story? You kind of mentioned how there's animated dinosaurs and how they roam around the neighborhood. But what's the main plot of the show?
7: Well, the main plot is actually about Trek. He's the little boy who these adventures are about. And he only keeps baby dinosaurs in his backyard, and his mom tries to make sure to always have dino treats, or dino bait, as they call them on hand, so that he can use the food to find out different ideas about dinosaurs. Like, can they fly? Do they eat eggs? What's their favorite thing to eat? And what do their prints look like? And all kinds of different stuff. One of my favorite episodes was actually the one where you try to get footprints from dinosaurs, and it takes a lot of hard work. And Dino Footprints was my favorite episode. And there there's a different story for every episode, and that I definitely did enjoy.
6: Now you mentioned, and of course, the dinosaurs aren't real, they are animated. So how was the interaction between real live actors and the animated characters?
7: Well, I think Trek did an awesome job, because animation, you know, you don't get to see the characters. So I really did enjoy that about them, and I think that he did a great job doing that. They looked real. Even though they were green screen, that, like, just looks so real to me.
6: That's good. And how was the acting, like, the actual actors in real life? How did they do?
7: They did actually really great, and I really did appreciate what they did. But I think they needed to act, like, dumb it down a little bit because they were acting a bit too happy and stuff, so they kind of needed to add a little bit more drama to appeal to a greater audience is what I have to say.
6: So do you think this is more going to be for kids than adults or teenagers?
7: Yes, I kind of do have to say that. Like, I, I think it's kids, like, about the age range to 13, maybe 14 but you pushing it like after you get to that they'd probably be like
3: eh.
6: well there are a lot of shows like that and a lot of kids shows do have morals and messages in each episode so does this have any or is it just more fun between the dinosaurs and the boy
7: you know i'd actually say it's like more about the dinosaurs and the boy than just the morals or anything but the morals and the lessons would basically be about the dinosaurs and like you learn stuff about the dinosaurs, basically. That'd be the lessons.
6: Now, you mentioned at the beginning that it also has a little bit of education in it. Can you talk about that a little bit?
7: I'm sure. Like, you actually learned about what the dinosaurs like to eat. So, like, he used Dinobate, and he'd be like, this dinosaur lives in the water, and he eats fish. This dinosaur is a herbivore. That dinosaur is a carnivore. And I liked that about that. And that was really cool to me. And it actually was, like, really fun how he had all this dino weight and stuff. And he was, like, hilarious at the same time. And he tried to, like, find out, do these characters eat eggs or what do they eat? And all kinds of different experiments like that.
6: Now, how many stars do you give this show?
7: I actually would give this um, four and a half roaring dino eggs.
6: And why not five out of five stars?
7: Because I think it needs a little bit more drama in it and it just was a bit too happy for me. Like, I like happy, but it could have been a little less, just to make it a little more realistic.
6: Did it get boring at any times because it was so happy?
7: You know, not really. I mean, like, a couple of times it was just a little bit repetitive when it was like, to the Dino Bay every episode, but that's all right because, you know, it's you need to watch these at different times, and, like, since I watched them back to back to back, that's probably why.
6: And do you have a favorite dinosaur because I did see a lot of clips from this show, and they do have different dinosaurs.
7: I loved the police it was my favorite dinosaur because it was one of the only dinosaurs that they showed that could swim in water and could swim and it was just another adorable baby dinosaur that was so cute i literally wish i could have one as a pet like just take it from its time period and bring it home i already have a gigantic fish tank that she could live in and then i also have a pool that when she gets bigger could live in and this dinosaur is also my favorite color blue and it's just meant to be, literally. And I would name her Anna Lucia and her, and I would just be happy dinosaurs. Dinosaur pals.
6: What do you think... Was, is there a soundtrack in this show? And if so, how is it?
7: It had just a little bit of music. You'd had to pay, like, you would had to pay very close attention to hear it. But it did have just a little bit of music. And I think that that did fit with it great, right because... You could, like I said, you'd have to listen very carefully, but I didn't really think it needed the music because it was already pretty much good enough to not have it.
6: Well, thank you so much for talking to me about the show. If you'd like to see the show, it is now on DVD. Let's take a break. Let's take a break. I'm Jerry Orris, and you're listening to Kids First Come Attractions. This show is sponsored by Mag and Moxie from Encircle Entertainment.
1: Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN get the lowdown on guests new shows and your favorites that's voice america trn to become a kids first film critic enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall we are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies love talking about movies and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does Just visit KidsFirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. What do you want to do? Are you interested in the performing arts?
5: Looking for exciting video content, live and on demand? Visit www.voiceamerica.tv for exclusive content you just can't find anywhere else. That's voiceamerica.tv. Tune in now.
1: You are tuned into to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Shh, turn off your phone. Another movie review is coming up.
2: Welcome back to the program, Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Kiva Blakesley, and we just got done talking about Angry Birds and Dino Dan, and also we're gonna. We just got done interviewing Alan Green and Bram Ranga for Mac and Moxie. We're gonna be talking to Morgan. It's the Morgan Show today about X Men Apocalypse, the highly anticipated comic book movie that's been kind of getting some. It's been kind of walking on a very tight rope with with critics. So, uh, Morgan, let's get right into it. First of all, have you seen the previous X Men films?
7: Actually, I have, because me and my dad are both, like, huge X-Men fans, so I've seen a couple of them, and I'm like, I want to get the entire set of DVDs and watch them back to back to back, because literally I'm a huge X-Men fan now. Same here,
2: I love X-Men, I grew up watching the original X-Men, and it's fantastic, it's still continuing it. The critics are kind of like, as I said before... Walking on a tightrope because not many people like it, some people do like it, some people don't. So it's getting kind of average views, what do you think about the film?
7: Whatever. I mean, this film was awesome. Whoever doesn't like it, like, wow, you need to get your eyes checked because those graphics, like, you gotta think of the money in the graphics, those were simply amazing, literally. I was just in awe and shock the entire thing. Plus they had mouth-dropping stunts. You just gotta see this, and like, it all made the superpowers just come together. And the beginning, the beginning was like eye-opening. I got my, caught my eye, and I was like, you guys chose the right beginning for this. I was like, I literally wish I had a rewind button for this entire film, because I was like, rewind! i like, I'm totally getting this on DVD so I can see all those scenes again.
2: Well, the effects and the stunts do look fantastic. Before I'm seeing the trailer, I can't wait to see the film in its entirety. But let's talk about story. How did you think about the film and its well, story-wise?
7: Well, the storyline starts in ancient Egypt when this first ever mutant thinks he is a god and possesses like super strong powers. And his name is Apocalypse. And he thinks that he is the ruler of the world, literally. And he can transfer his conscience into other mutants to gain their powers, which enable him to live forever. And in case you haven't seen X-Men, the mutants are the people that have the superpowers. So he can actually gain their superpower as well. And he believes that the world is ruled by the weak right now, and it should be ruled by the strong, like him. And so he decides that he will start an apocalypse, and the weak will all perish and die and the strong will live and that he can rule the entire world, literally. And the storyline was just amazing. I really did enjoy that and I was like, yeah, that's totally awesome that they had such a different time period and everything. And it answered questions that a lot of the X-Men movies, like if you are a huge fan, you should see this because it answers like just a bunch of them.
2: A villain wanting to take over the world for the good of mankind? haven't heard that story before. (laughs) Sorry, that sounded very cynical. But um, again, what makes X-Men a great series and a great story is the various Characters that are in that are, that are in the story. There's so many people you can choose from. If you don't like one character, you can you can watch it. You can pick another character. So this may be hard. Who is your favorite character in the film?
7: Oh my gosh, I am such a Bond right now. I have a huge crush on Quicksilver because he's a snazzy dresser and his superpower is totally awesome. of super fast speed. I was like laughing during one of my favorite scenes that I'll tell you about in a bit. And um, my other favorite character is, of course, Quick, um, Sorry, Mystique. I loved her because she's, like, definitely one of those strong people, and she believes in her customs, and she's awesomely cool with her costume and everything. And she's just a, belie- a believable leader who stands by her principles. And this would also be my favorite superpower. Literally, would be transforming into other people. I would just—I would love that. And I think that Jennifer Lawrence is just great. And then I just love Quicksilver because he was like, ah, oh, dreamy. He's a snazzy dresser and everything. I was like, darn. Evan Peters, who played Quicksilver, you definitely get a good applause. And Jennifer Lawrence, who played Mystique, same as well.
2: I love Quicksilver. He got a small part in the in the last film, but. I'm glad that he, we get to see him a lot more in this film. He's, he's, he's a great character, and Evan Pierce does portray him beautifully. Uh, Mystique is always played wonderfully by Jennifer Lawrence, and the makeup job is absolutely gorgeous. So, you were mentioning about the action in this film. Can you touch a little bit more about what you thought of the action?
7: Well, the action was just really jaw-dropping, like I said. Like, literally, the stunt people did amaz- amazing. And, like, literally to find out how much time it takes to literally go up and fly and stuff and do all the tricks they did. I was just like, wow, you guys like, I love you guys. You literally just did awesome. And they, that was actually my favorite scene was um, when they had so much action. I was laughing during the scene also because he, um, Quicksilver was actually eating pizza while rescuing as many students as he can from certain death, literally using his power. Plus, the slow-motion graphics were stupendous. And I was just (laughs) like, yeah! Yeah, it was interesting. Yes? I also love it when they do that. And it's like, wow, that just takes a lot of time to do that slow-motion graphics, because... Everything's moving at such high speed. He kind of freezes time whenever he goes and does his superpower, and that I like about him.
2: Oh, he's a fantastic character. I love every time he's on screen. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Kiefer Blakesley, And today's host is Mac and Moxie from N-Circle Entertainment. We're going to be talking about the film's Angry Birds, and we just got done talking about Dino Dan and Mac and Moxie. Now we're going to continue our conversation with Morgan about X-Men Apocalypse. So... Actually, what's interesting is that Olivia Munn, who plays Psylocke Cy- in the film, is that she actually had learned some swordplay in it, and that's fantastic. I'm so happy that they got they got her to play. She's, she looks amazing as a character. And you may see a little bit of Wolverine, and I'm very excited about that. Don't, I don't want you to give anything away, So, but the trailer hints he's going to be in there, so we're going we're gonna to leave that for people who actually want to see it. Now... What would you say about the... Well, uh, for people who have not seen the other films, do you feel like they still enjoy this movie?
7: You know, I think they still would because this is actually really great for everybody. And I think you don't really have to see this one, um, any of the other ones, because this is kind of like the very first story. So, like, this will this If you want to see the other ones, this would kind of lead up to you wanting to go and see them. Because, like I said, the graphics are simply amazing. The uh, Everything was just shock and awe in this and it answers like all those questions so if you watch that one before you see the others then it wouldn't leave such a mystery behind it so then you'd be like oh okay and it explains how the x-men got to um be the x-men and their backstories so then you'd be like oh this guy was like that that's
2: good i mean i feel like the things we would we would miss is some of the easter eggs or some of the running jokes like uh, Days of Future Past, X Men Days of Future Past did. There's some things that we wouldn't. Like Wolverine walks through the, the Mail Detector. That's something that the fans of the whole film series would get because there's some inside jokes. That's the word I'm looking for inside jokes that some audience members won't get. But it's nice to hear that this film could start its own franchise and create a new X Men series for a new generation.
7: Well, it did have some flashbacks, and I don't know. I think it might be able to do that like, start its own series. But I think it would be better if it like just stayed with the series that it's at, unless they want to continue it on and on, because this could probably last forever, literally. They could add new characters and stuff, and it would just totally be awesome, so either way, it's fine. Well, we got new people playing Professor X and Magneto and Mystique. I don't feel like Patrick Stewart
2: or uh, Sir Ian McKellen would reprise their roles as those characters, so it looks like they've got, I'm sorry, Serene McKellen and Patrick Stewart, I'm not, no disrespect at all, but we have younger actors to portray these characters so that they can continue this series. No no disrespect to these absolutely legendary actors, Patrick Stewart and Serene McKellen, they're amazing as the two characters. Now, what would you say would be your favorite scene in the whole film? Um, I, said, I, away. I love the scene where Quicksilver
7: saves everybody, and he's just using a super fast beat, and everything's in slow motion because that was just simply amazing and like he basically saved them from a certain death and then that was just like really cool and everything and it was just really cool and everything and I just like really did like that and I was like wow plus he is my favorite character so I was like oh he gets his own little scene and I was just like I, I have Snoopy hearts literally whenever I see him. And he and the first five minutes were just cool. I loved the first five minutes. I was just like, wow. Like I said, rewind button, rewind button, rewind button. I could watch that at like 24 hours straight.
2: Well, I guess he, uh, hopefully he's playing time in a bottle while he's, Running around, those people who don't know that reference, go check out Days of Future Past and you'll get that joke. Now, I'm really excited to see what they're going to continue. So what do you predict that this, that this film is going to, how the story is going to continue, if it's going to continue?
7: I really do hope that it continued this series because so many people love X-Men and all like that, but this is just a wonderful series. And I have gotten hooked and I'm like, I want to see a new one. They could make more adventures with them and move more supervillains and stuff. Or they could also do different uh, characters and add more characters as well, because that would just make it perfect. You could add more superheroes and more supervillains. Heck, like they could even do an episode where like all the supervillains come back together and they arise from the dead and then they all come back and they're like, we're going to get you. And then there would be like an epic battle between all the supervillains and the superheroes. Well,
2: X-Men has a lot of stories they could tackle, and hopefully, as we're going to get more audience praise, and hopefully the more critics see this film, and it gets better reviews. And I can't wait to check it out and see if I agree or disagree with the critics. Well, thank you so much, Morgan, for talking about X-Men Apocalypse. It's been a pleasure.
7: Well, thank you, and I hope everybody can see this May 26th on Memorial Day weekend.
2: All right, you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Keeper Blakesley. Let's take a break. And this show is sponsored by Mac and Moxie from Encircled Entertainment.
1: Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. This year's Kids First Film Critics Search Campaign launches September 1st and runs through the end of November. Kids ages 6 to 14 can enter for a chance to compete for eight coveted slots as Kids First Film Critics. To enter, kids need to submit a videotaped review of one of the official search campaign films or DVDs. Public voting determines the 20 finalists, and a panel of celebrity judges determines the winners. Last year, more than 11 million votes were cast for fewer than 100 contestants. To date, some of the exciting assignments covered by the Kids First film critics include a week-long film critics boot camp at the Walt Disney Studios, the red carpet premiere of Winnie the Pooh, sneak preview coverage of films like Cars 2, Judy Moody, and the not-bummer Summer, with coverage on AOL Kids, Voice America Kids, and Working Mother. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org or on the Kids First Facebook page. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org or the Kids First Facebook page. And hurry, you only have until the end of November to enter. What do you want to do? Are you interested in the performing arts?
5: Looking for exciting video content live and on demand? Visit www.voiceamerica.tv for exclusive content you just can't find anywhere else. That's voiceamerica.tv. Tune in now.
1: You are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids Channel. Shh, turn off your phone. Another movie review is coming up.
6: Hey, welcome back. I'm Jerry Ors, and you're listening to Kids First Coming of We were just talking about the film X-Men Apocalypse, and right now we're going to talk to Angry Birds with Kamai, who is from Atlanta and is 11 years old. Kamai, what did you think of this film?
7: I
0: was really shocked at how wonderful the movie was. There was lots of colors, it was funny and really bright.
6: Can you tell us the plot of the film, like what happens in the film? The
0: film is about a bird named Red and his fellow and his friends Chuck and Bomb, they meet at an anger management class, and they they go investigate why mysterious green pigs are visiting their island. Soon, they find out what the green pig's uh, plan is, and they go to stop them.
6: There are two different islands, the pig's islands and the bird's islands. Which one did you like more, personally?
0: Personally, I thought the bird's island, because it was, it was really cool to me. Pig's Island was okay, but I would definitely choose the Bird's Island. And a lot of
6: aspects would, that went into the creation of those islands was the animation. What did you think of the animation? We just talked to Morgan, and she said the animation was fantastic. What do you think?
0: Their animations were, I, have to, I would have to agree with Morgan, they really were fantastic. They are bright and colorful. Some parts were fast, but it was mostly slow and calm.
6: Have you played Angry Birds before?
0: Yes, I'm not really a big fan of it, but when I saw the movie, I was like, wow, I have to start playing the game immediately.
6: So this is what my my questions about it. What did what was it to see these characters that you've seen hundreds of times before in the video games that they can come to life and they have stories and all of that? What was it like?
0: Well, it was really different because when I played the game, you know, they don't really talk. So you want to understand their emotions and how they feel, felt and how they all met together and why they're... Angry. So after seeing this movie, I finally understood the whole story, the whole origin, all of it.
6: I do agree. They don't really make any sounds except they're a little chirping and they don't really have a backstory. So it's nice to see it here. Speaking of the story, did the, it the, keep you entertained the whole th- film through?
0: Well, it was, ri- it was entertained the whole way through because there's action and there was really funny moments, like I said before.
6: Well, that's good to hear. And also, what did you think of the voice acting? Like I said before, we have people like Josh Gad, uh, Danny McBride, Maya Rudolph. How did they do?
0: Well, they did really well. Like it made them sound, it made them sound like they were realistic, like they were actually talking to you. And the voices were great, and I especially liked Jason is voice playing red.
6: And the pigs are the bad guys, but judging from the film, they kind of portray the bad guys very interestingly. They portray, portrayed them as goofy and silly. What did you think of the pigs?
0: Well, I think they really weren't goofy and silly. Betraying them, because they were laughing and they were always smiling most of the time.
6: And do you think that it fit the, what the pigs were supposed to be? Yeah, I really do. What is your favorite character? Like your favorite bird or your favorite pig? What is your favorite character in the film? Well, my favorite
0: character is Red because he's somewhat—he's he's something like some of my friends I have at school. They get angry. They have—they get angry most of the times, but. They really can be good sometimes.
6: And do you th- do you feel like there's a moral in this story? Do you think, or is it just kind of the adventure between the pigs and the birds?
0: I just think there's an adventure between the pigs and the birds. Not really much of a moral. It's just a adventure.
6: Now, I have a question. Do you, would you watch this film again? Like, if you got it on DVD, would you watch it again for a second time? Or do you think it's not one of those films?
0: No, I don't think it's one of those films. Because I just don't like watching movies for a second time with someone else. Because you're like, I know it's going to happen. You want to spoil it so bad. And then, you know, everything's going to happen and lose all surprise and everything. It's not shocking, so shocking anymore. You know, everything that's going to happen. Do
6: you think this film has opportunity for a sequel?
0: It possibly could have a sequel. And the next one, they should probably tell the origin of the pigs and that'll get people's attention.
6: You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids Network. And today we talked about Mac and Moxie, Dino Dan, X-Men Apocalypse. Right now, we're going to continue talking to Kami about the movie, Angry Birds, and he was kind of talking about how they could have a sequel and also how he would not see it a second time. So how many stars would you give this film?
0: I would give it five out of five stars because it was really adventurous and really funny at moments.
6: moment. And can you talk about the humor a little bit more? Was it like the common humor you'd seen in Hollywood or was it original? It made people laugh.
0: It was really original. Like when it was funny how like Red said in the movie, can someone get ice pack for how? That was really funny to me. Because he's the boomerang bird and he hit his nose on a tree. That was kind of funny to me. And Red says most of the jokes sometimes. But so do the other characters.
6: And do you think this will only apply to people who really love the game Angry Birds? Or do you think anybody could enjoy this film?
0: Well, kind of both. Because some people would like this and some people wouldn't. People who, Some people who haven't played the game would like this. Because well, it's funny and they would like the funny parts in the adventure and uh, meeting all new characters and the people who played the game will love it too because they know now they know the background of all these birds
6: now let's pretend for a second that the angry birds video game never existed and the film is completely separate completely separate characters completely original concept do you think this would still be a really good film and would be able to stand alone really well or do you think it relies a lot on the video game
0: it doesn't rely a lot on video game because the video game you just knock that all you do is you knock down houses, but the but the movie is kind of different from the game. It's not all the same as the game.
6: And what is your favorite scene in the film?
0: My favorite scene is when Red meets and it comes to the anger management class and meets Chuck and Bomb.
6: And why is that your favorite scene?
0: Because it's funny to me. To me, it's kind of like an inside joke how Red gets into the anger management class, but also leaves me wondering how Chuck... How Chuck it was really funny Could get into anger Management classes.
6: So what did you think of the action scenes? I know there's not really typical action scenes because the action will consist of birds being launched from catapults, but what did you think of those? How were like they animated? How was the quality? Were they smooth? Did they fit? Well, I think they
0: were... It was a good quality, and they did fit. It was just really good. It was really good. The action... There was, like you said, there wasn't that much action. It was just birds on boomerangs in the... In the... Movie sometimes but it was just funny and there's some action parts but not that too many
6: and wh- is there a soundtrack in this film
0: um well not there's some but not that many
6: and how does it fit with the story and the movie
0: it it does because like on it just it fits because like when they're on their adventure on an adventure or just talking to each other sometimes, it just matches with the thing.
6: Now, do you think this is comedy? Do you think this is action? Do you think this is drama? Do you think this is adventure? What do you think is the main genre of this film?
0: I think the main genre is to be comedy because the action, there's not that much of it, and drama, eh, that's kind of like 1%. It's just mostly comedy. I guess it would just be for a younger kids.
6: So, speaking of younger kids, uh, what's the age range for this film?
0: Um, I'll give it 5 out of 13 age groups because older kids might not play the game and they just won't, they don't know the comedy but it won't be that funny to them. They just won't think that. And younger kids would definitely love this because they'll be like, oh look, it's a talking bird and look, they're saying jokes and they're have, fighting and all that stuff.
6: And how's the length of the film? It's almost 100 minutes, pretty much an hour and a half standard length for a film. How do you think it fits with the story? Do you think it's too long, too short or just perfect?
0: it's just perfect and and kind of some of it stands on the um, like 1% of it relies on the game like how the characters that's the part where you rely on the game and it was it was funny adventurous, and all that stuff it was bright and colorful too
6: well thank you so much for talking to me about this film you're welcome For our viewers, if you'd like to see this film, it is now in theaters near you, so definitely check it out. Thanks so much for joining us. You have been listening to Kids First Coming Tractions. Be sure to watch our video reviews of the latest films and DVD releases. Learn how you can become a Kids First film critic. Go to www.kidsfirst.org. Be sure to check out our blog and the teen section of Huffington Post. This show is produced by the Coalition for Quality Children's Media on the Voice America Kids Network. Today's show is sponsored by Mac and Moxie from Encircle Entertainment. Thanks for listening.
3: We didn't invent Kid Talk,
7: we perfected it, and at a very young age. You're listening to Voice America
0: Kids.